Welcome to Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Laura Turner. Hello and welcome to another special edition of Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. I'm Laura Turner. Our guest tonight has been described as an energetic visionary who has turned a cheeky startup into a national not-for-profit organisation by tapping into the undeniable fact that most of us just can't resist pocketing free products like shampoo and soap when we check out of a hotel. She's helped provide thousands of needy Australians with what she believes is a basic human right, and that is access to personal hygiene products. It's my pleasure to welcome the founder and CEO of Pinchapoo, Kate Austin to Great Australian Lives. How are you, Kate? Hi, Laura. Good. Thanks for having me. We had Rochelle Courtney from Share the Dignity on the show recently. You're probably aware of yeah. that organisation. Um, they, of course, help to disadvantage women and girls with period products. Uh, and, our, and some of our listeners, or a lot of our listeners, um, after hearing her story, actually contacted us and said, please talk to Kate from Pinchapoo. Um, oh, did a bit of research so. <laughs> and, and found that you're extraordinary as well. You're a bit of a Robin Hood, aren't you? <laughs> Um, I like to, yeah, I like to consider myself um, as a bit of a, uh, what do we say, a modern day Robin Hood, just to bring it into the into the now. But yeah, definitely a, a modern day yeah. Robin Hood concept that we began with, for sure. Of course, when you don't actually you're not encouraging people to steal. We we pay for these products as part of our, um, you know, room charge, don't we? We're entitled to them. It's just lots of people don't absolutely. take Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we are absolutely entitled to. The, the cheeky part, I guess, is just a, a bit of a fun spin on on something that is provided to you in the cost of your hotel accommodation and um, is definitely yours to take. So, yeah, you are very rightfully doing so, yes. <laughs> and as I was doing some research on you, I was actually in the bathroom, I was listening to some speeches you'd done, and I looked in my uh, bathroom cupboard and, and I realised, I reckon, what you would have and so many people do in that is that your cupboard's full of little shampoos and conditioners that you've brought home. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. You take them and you go, I have every right to these, and I take them Mm. and and race them home and put them in the bathroom, Mm. and then that's exactly where they stay. We don't use them because we have, you know, our own favourite brands that we buy in the supermarket if we're lucky enough to be able to to access that. So, yeah, they definitely sit around doing nothing. So um, we can certainly put them to good use. <laughs> and can you explain the concept of Pinchapoo for those listening who are not familiar um, with what you do? Sure, yeah. So Pinchapoo um, is sort of a cheeky slang short for pinch a shampoo. Um, and you can kind of hear the, the penny drop across Australia now because <laughs> everyone always uh, has a moment when they go, oh, that's, that makes sense. I think, yeah, Pinchapoo um originated around the idea of people pinching their hotel toiletries and um, as we discussed donating them back to us and then us being able to distribute through our huge national network to supply personal hygiene products for disadvantaged people so men women and children in every situation of disadvantage and need Um, yeah and that's something that started very small and something that is uh, is very much (laughs) bigger now Um, and far more so than I probably could have ever wrapped my head around but I think, yeah, people kind of enjoy that we sit outside the box a little bit in terms of, of charities and we do yeah. communicate a little bit differently and, we're, yeah, we're, we're ultimately out of the box and it's fun to be part of. Good on you. Um, you came up with it. The, there's a bit of a funny story behind how you came up with the name, isn't there? 
yeah, I mean, I guess it, it has a, a, a sadder sort of prelude to it in terms of um, what led to that moment. And I can, yes. I can sort of, And yeah, we'll talk about that. But in terms of yeah. that name... You were in the shower yeah. or something. Like yeah, I was in the shower. I was um, <laughs> yeah, washing my hair with a pinched shampoo that I had pinched uh, <laughs> the weekend before. And I just had, yeah, what could be described, I guess, as a lightning bolt moment where I just went, what if, you know, every big thing starts with the what if. And it was, you know, what if we got a few people that I knew were traveling for work to start pinching the hotel toiletries and maybe we could help you know, a few local shelters or a few people and it was a very small thought and, yeah, immediately I came up with the name Pinchapoo and came running out of the shower, stark naked, Mm. dripping wet um, in all of my glory and, uh, yeah, I think uh, my family had some some strange memories from that night but I uh, was screaming Pinchapoo and I think I knew (laughs) immediately that 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 was the name and it was very me and it was very it was Mm. it was gonna demand a conversation and it still does which I think is the brilliant part about the name yes good and and you mentioned before um there is a a darker um history to to why you're even doing what you're doing and you have shared some of that publicly before um are you happy to share some of with our listeners tonight yeah, of course. I think it, it brings um, extreme context to, to what it is that I fill my life with now to that to that purpose that, that is that iron rod that sits inside of me now. And so um, it's always the first question people ask, you know, why, how did you, you know, what led you to this, to this journey? So um, yeah, I can share. I was um, sadly and, and definitely not um, a story that is foreign to us anymore, um, but I was sadly a victim of um, a pretty extreme situation of domestic violence growing up um, at the hands of both of my parents, but one night in particular, one afternoon in particular, I uh, um, yeah had an incident with my dad where he had uh, taken to me worse than he ever had before and had um, hurt me so badly that my ribs had been broken and um some, it's amazing, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about instinct. But it's amazing how that that instinct does kick in, in in that moment. And I, I knew I couldn't run. I knew I couldn't breathe enough to to use myself physically. So I scurried on my hands and knees up onto my bed, where I knew that I had the strength of my legs to to kick him off if I needed to, because the top half of me was very much not working at that point. Um, yeah, and he picked up my cast iron desk chair. So for those of you who grew up in the 80s, you remember we all had the cast iron desk chairs. Um, yeah, I picked it up, held it over his head and went to put it through my skull when my brother came in in a, a very Hollywood moment and, and and ripped the chair out of his hand. And um, that was the moment to me that, that led to me saying I can't be here anymore I have to I have to run and it was a very different time we're talking you know 22 odd years ago and it was a very different time because domestic violence wasn't something that was at the forefront of any conversation um that wasn't mm-hmm. it's somewhere that you knew what services were available that you knew where to go that you knew where to run and so um, I picked up and left, and the one thing that I thought um, to, to take with me, my whole foundation, my whole life, I ran into the bathroom and grabbed my toothbrush. Um, and again, that was a really instinctive moment because I knew that wherever I did run to, that I could at least brush my teeth and um, feel semi-human about myself. And so I think that was probably the moment that Pinch P was born. I just didn't know 
that it was going to be Pinchbrew at that point, yeah. yeah. Right. How old were you when that happened to you, when, at that moment when you left? So I was only 16 and, again, you know, I, I picked myself up and I, I went to school the next day and we didn't have welfare coordinators. We didn't have, you know, a, a student council teacher or, or, you know, anybody that you could speak to or trust and it just wasn't something that anybody else I knew was going through and I was very, very isolated and, and, and I went from being the girl that I am now, you know, that can stand on a stage, that can tell a story, that can be super confident and I, I went from being that girl who uh, was the lead singer of, you know, the cool band at school back in the day and had the lead role in the play and I really reclused. I really, um, you know, I had this giant secret. I couldn't tell anybody and, again, I didn't have access to anything that I needed and I, you know, was a menstruating female like everybody else. So I didn't have access and um, but it wasn't just period products. It was, you know, I loved my makeup probably more so than I should have at the age of 16, but they're the things that individually make us feel... <laughs> The, the way that, you know, that we need to feel in order to communicate and connect with the world. And I was no longer able to do that. It was really impacting. Did you have somewhere to go? Who 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 looked after you? I ran, um, it's, again, it sounds so cliche in Hollywood, but it was the most revolting raining night. I will never forget the rain that was pouring that night. Um, and I walked 10Ks to my boyfriend's house at the time and his parents were extremely disadvantaged and um his dad um suffering with ms and only a single income family and you know really doing it tough but they didn't hesitate to let me sleep on the couch and you know to pull five dollars out of the purse the next day to in order for me to be able to buy lunch you know it's those small moments of kindness that i think you know really empower me to continue that journey of of paying that forward on and that's a really um important thing i think you've said isn't it because those who don't have just these basic things, that gift of giving something like that to them goes a long way towards self-esteem and and recovery in, in getting oneself out of those situations, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hygiene poverty, which again is something we're not speaking about in Australia. We very much uh, hear about period poverty or parts of the issue, but not hygiene poverty as a whole. So that affects one in five Australians. And for kids especially, those vital foundations of self-worth are established by the age of between five to 10, experts say. So, and that forms the basis of every decision you make moving forward throughout your life. So, you know, if you don't have that inner self-worth, then you've got to make stupid decisions. You're going to go down the wrong path. And, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that it's very much more than the products themselves. But it's, it's as you say, it's part of every rehabilitation journey. It's part of, of every single one of us in a different capacity. But so important to have access to. Absolutely. This is Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives and in these challenging times Tobin does offer a range of very practical solutions to help you plan a funeral and pay tribute to your loved one. For more information visit tobinbrothers.com.au Our guest tonight is Kate Austin, founder and CEO of the national not-for-profit organisation Pinchapoo and in, in a moment we'll find out how she channeled her personal experiences into the Pinchapoo concept. You're listening to Great Australian Lives with Laura Turner for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. 
Welcome back to Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. For more information, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Our guest tonight is Kate Austin, founder and CEO of Pinchapoo, the charity that encourages us to pinch a shampoo or hotel toiletry or two and donate them to those who struggle to afford what should be considered a basic human right. And that is, of course, personal hygiene products. Now, Kate, we heard about the traumatic time in your life when you fled your family home as a teenager. You only had uh, a toothbrush in hand. Um, what Before starting Pinchapoo, which I know came to formation quite a few years later, uh, what, what did you do with your life in those, those early years? Sure. Um, I think this, this for me has become probably the most powerful part of my journey and a lot of people... Uh, you know, asked to hear the story, you know, about escaping domestic violence. And it's taken me a really long time to realize that I think my greatest triumph was probably, you know, in in the years after that when, um, you know, I was an 18-year-old girl who finished school essentially homeless and couch surfing and, you know, felt like I absolutely knew everything there was to know about the world, like every 18-year-old, but myself in particular. And I really, mm-hmm. um, yeah, thought I had it worked out. So I... Um, I went and did a traineeship in visual merchandising in a, in a photography studio and I loved every part of it. I left behind my childhood suburb. I left behind everybody I knew and I had a real new chapter and it was a, a really positive thing. But unfortunately, um, I went into a very dark um, place that um, we, we eventually worked out was post-traumatic stress. Um, disorder, which is is a really just a, an insidious, um, engulfing. I can't even think of the right words. I, I don't think there even are the words to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, I'd become I'd become a mum, and and then I had a new understanding or a new awareness of you know the questions that surrounded how you could possibly create something and and of made with love and then heard it so significantly and so that brought everything back up for me and and yeah i ended up um with several suicide attempts and um an anxiety disorder and psychosis and every horrible buzzword there is but it was a really awful wow. dark place and that um amazingly was the time where that shower moment happened and i think my heart must have still been open somewhat to you know, some light leaking through and thank God it did. But, um, this whole journey, that moment on has been something that's really healed, you know, my soul and given me purpose and and a reason to give back. You have enormous strength, Kate, even just as, 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 not just, but even the part of your story where you're saying you're, you're still attending school, even though you were couch surfing, you finished school, even though you'd left your family home. Um, and you still later on have that strength to fight on despite those demons. I mean, that's extraordinary. I think you have a choice, don't you? Everybody has a choice and I definitely chose to prove my point and I think part of that still fuels that passion every day and I think for for any woman in particular it's it's you know the second somebody says you can't or you know that's not going to work or whatever you go well I'll show you and it's just something that's very much in it's very much embedded in us and in particular me and I, I had a real point to prove my parents didn't think a lot of me and I wanted to show them that I was better than what um, situation they'd thrown me into. So, and, and, you know, rightly or wrongly, that still fuels a lot of my fire even now, such a, such a long way down the track. So yeah, we find our strength from different places, but 
whether it's right or wrong, I've still got mine. So we're okay. <laughs> Good on you. That's incredible. Um, you worked in marketing and, and advertising and, and branding. That must have inadvertently helped doing now. Um, I think so. When I when I worked in advertising, and, and I still tell this story, I was always very frustrated when we would come up as an organisation. We would come up with such awesome ideas for our clients, you know, that were really out of the box, and we knew we'd get cut through, and they and they would never take them. They'd always take the safe route, and it was very frustrating. <laughs> so, when I had the opportunity to do that for myself, you know, I got to pick the out of the box idea, and um, it certainly has paid dividends. Good on you. <laughs> you must have been a great sense of satisfaction to see that uh, idea come to fruition that was your. Absolutely. What's better than that? It's like, you know, I, I call Pinchapu my, my third child. It's, it probably demands the most <laughs> attention away from my boys. But yeah, I and mean, we get we, you give birth to something from the very grassroots and watch it grow. It's, you know, it's no different to watching a child flourish or, or anything. There's a great sense of pride for sure. You mentioned your kids and that Pinchapu was your third child I was going to actually ask you um your husband obviously and and motherhood came along but it must be a huge juggle for you I know when you're you're trying to start something and you've got kids and they're demanding your attention and how do you how do you do it I think I've always had the belief that we don't need to have careers that are separate from bringing up our children and my children have been um, immersed in what I've done since birth. So, you know, it was very um, common for them to come home and have, you know, after school snacks or after kinder snacks among 50,000 single tampons sitting in the middle of a kitchen table or whatever, and they never <laughs> asked a question. There's been plenty of questions now, but that's a different story. But they've, they've just been immersed in it since the start. So, um, you know, I made a really early decision to, when I was chasing something specific or trying to jump ahead or to really engage them in that process and you know we would celebrate together if it was a hurdle that I was able to jump or um you know if we secured some funding or we were able to you know to hit those milestones and we would make sure that that wasn't something that I just did on my own that it was a real family thing and that everyone believed in it and cared just as much so I think that takes the juggle away a little bit um it has definitely mm. has challenging moments like any um you know mum who's who's trying to love and nurture their business um but uh, yeah they've they're very engaged they've they're very helpful and they're very um aware and and yeah maybe not so proud of the giant pinch poo van that they get dropped off in at school in anymore that's maybe not cool but <laughs> but i think that's part of it it's that's brown favorite. tell me it's brown <laughs> It is not brown. It's actually hot pink. Um, our logo is pink and aqua. So, Good. Um, it is. It's extremely. Yeah. Um, it's an eyesore. So, but that's the idea. But probably not so. Good cool on you. Turning thirteen. Yeah, well, you're a driving <laughs> advertisement. <laughs> yeah, I can well imagine. Did Did you have family members or even your husband at the beginning who thought you were crazy to to do this? Yeah, hundred percent. I I can't even tell you the amount of people who have said this is bonkers, and I think again to my point before that 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 fuels that fire and 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 that was the first thing that my husband at the time said to me was you can't call it pinchapoo, and I always when I do my speaking events I talk about that word can't and and how that's other people's um, you know personal boundary and it doesn't need to be yours. So I made a decision immediately not to take on that. Um, that negativity and and to immerse myself in a squad of people who are giving me all the reasons why I can. And I think that's why our culture and our, our volunteer network is as powerful as it is because we're all like-minded people who believe in each other. And 
Um, yeah, but I've I've had lots of of cunts and you know and a lot of bigger <laughs> corporates who wanted nothing to do with us at the start, but are now knocking on our door. You know, when you've got a bit of street cred under your belt, and so it's yeah, it's it's interesting to watch. Yeah, and you mentioned those early years before. I mean, do you remember where your first package of of donated products went, and how did you get to the position of actually being able to hand it over to get that first contact? Yeah, this is actually a very funny story. And in true Kate style, I was hysterical and overpassionate and uh, didn't really have my ducks in a row. But I did have enough to, to offer a local shelter. And I was living in Adelaide at the time down south. So it was it was a local shelter who was helping out kids in similar situations that I was in growing up. And um, I did have enough. And I got on the phone. And was just this bubbling, bursting mess of, you know, no concept of what I was even trying to really offer. I was just so excited that I had enough to offer. And um, yeah, they actually went, yeah, no thanks, and, and hung up. And it was a devastating moment and a really pivotal moment too where I went, but what do you mean you don't want to help? Like nobody's doing what we're doing holistically. And I just, you know, and that was a real moment where I could have walked away, but I realized that. I just needed to get my ducks in a row, needed to calm down, have a cup of tea before I got on the phone and just take a few deep breaths and and really work out who we were as an organisation, what our offer was. And, um, yeah, so that was a learning curve. But it was a very exciting moment. That first hurdle, that first tick that we were able to put in a box. So you have, you've had this pivotal moment. You've got to get your ducks in a row. Was it? Did it take off from there? I mean, I'm sure there were lots of hurdles on the way, but did you have that fuel to just keep going after that moment? Yeah, I did. And I think, as I said, you know, you tick that first box and then, you know, if you're somebody who can get complacent quite easily, you'd go, okay, well, job done. But we helped one organization and that wasn't enough. And we helped two and we helped a hundred and that wasn't enough. And now, you know, we're well up over 600 and the the biggest supplier of personal hygiene products in Australia. So I think you keep reevaluating your goals. You keep pushing forward and going, well, we did that easy. So let's, let's try harder. Let's make the goal bigger. Let's, let's do more. Let's help more people. And it's, it's really, it's, it's like a drug to be honest. You just want more and more of it. And, and you want to, you, you want more of it. It's just, it's, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question um, and you don't have to answer this, but I am interested to know, do your parents know what you've done? Yeah, they do. And I'm very happy to answer that. Um, They do. I have had no contact with my parents since I left home um, or since I finished school. um, And they do. And um, they're not happy um, about it. And I only hear these things secondhand, but it's it's not something that's ever deterred me to be honest I think um, I'm almost grateful to them for what I went through um, because I wouldn't be on this on this journey so there's no I've, I've moved on in a big way there's no hate there's no um, mm. you know anger mm. that sits there anymore but I think yeah they definitely watch from afar and and that's enough for me I don't need to to know anything more yeah well good on you it's just an honorable thing that you're doing this is great Australian lives for Tobin Brothers funerals celebrating lives and in these challenging times Tobin Brothers offer a range of very practical solutions to help you plan a funeral and pay tribute to your loved one more with social entrepreneur Kate Austin when we return
Welcome back to Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. I'm Laura Turner. Our guest tonight is Kate Austin, founder and CEO of Pinchapoo, providing the needy with essential hygiene products. And of course, they come via your donations of pinched hotel toiletries. They're not really pinched, though. You're just taking what you're entitled to when you check in. Now, Kate, you're with me now, obviously. How did you go from Pinchabu taking over your family home? You've talked about your kids having after-school snacks among a a table covered in tampons. How do you go from that um, to the next step? Did you have an office next, a, a warehouse? What was next after that? I'm having conniptions in the flashback thought of that. Um, Yeah, we did. We operated from home for a really long time and I would send my kids off to school and then open the doors to complete strangers and move my dining room table and couches and things out the way and set up trestle tables. So we essentially transformed my house or living space into a warehouse environment um, every day. We didn't have the funding for a warehouse. We knew it was a giant step. Um, Mm. And there were days, Mm. yes, um, you know, with the tampons on the table, but also days where, you know, orders were packed down the hallway and the kids couldn't get to the toilet. They'd have to climb over boxes to get to the toilet or, you know, again, they really were immersed in it from birth. So it did get to a breaking point, though, where, um, you know, there were things on beds, under beds, in cupboards, in hallways. It was was at a point of stupidity and we knew that we were going to hit a cap of how many people we could actually help, um, you know, working in that environment. So there's actually a great photo of me that's on our Instagram account, which I hated being taken at the time, but I'm so grateful for it now because it was a real a real pivotal moment when I'd, I'd come home uh, one day and my entire porch was filled with donations and I just didn't even know where to start. I couldn't get to the front door and I sat on the garden bench with my head in my hands and I had a work experience girl with me at the time who took this amazing photo and I was cross with her at the time but I really do love it now. And, it, and that was that was that real pivotal moment where I went this needs to change and yeah. it did and and the very next day we had a phone yeah. call from um, a good friend and a philanthropist who offered to fund a warehouse and and then we were able to spread our wings again but yeah it was certainly a journey working home that's for sure yeah the other thing that, uh, that I find um, you know really fascinating and 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 uh, fulfilling to hear about in stories like yours is the people that you've met along the way um, I don't know how much contact you have with the people who receive these products now but you must have met especially in the early days some amazing people with really touching stories. Oh, look, I've had one this morning, to be honest with you. Um, that some stuff I think you're able to separate yourself from um, and go home and be a normal functioning human being. And there are other ones where you will cry for days and days and days. And, um, and this morning one of those has actually happened and I can share that with you. But, oh, um, right. yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's what relates to your personal situation that, that, you know, makes you, makes yes. you tear up. But we do a, a free schools hygiene, um, program, which again sits in that, you know, that vital stage of, of, uh, self-worth development and all the rest of it. And, and we've got 200 schools in Victoria and up the Eastern Seaboard that are involved in that. And they're in highly, you know, disadvantaged areas, lower socioeconomic, you know, demographics. So, you know, the kids are doing it tough. And often we have principals or school nurses who will ring and, and literally cry, like literally cry. And we've had one this morning um, uh. in Kyabram up near, in, near Shepparton. And 
you know, she was just hysterical about what these kids are going through and how they come to her and literally on their hands and knees plead for help, plead for products, plead for the ability to just be accepted by their oh. peers because they're smelly or um, we had another one in New South Wales a couple of years ago, a principal who was just hysterical and it, it took about five minutes for her to calm down and even be able to speak but there was a very popular girl wow. in the school, a 16-year-old girl in beautiful long blonde flowing hair and she had contracted head loss like every other child in the world and um, her parents couldn't afford to yeah. treat it so they, they pinned her down and shaved her head and um, you know, for a 16-year-old girl, the, the confidence loss and the trauma that will last a lifetime over a head loss treatment, I know, it's gut-wrenching. So they're the stories that we really try to share and bring to light this issue that is not being spoken about, that isn't, you know, ever in the limelight and, and something that really needs to be addressed. It's it's really what fuels us to keep going. And, and this morning, again, with this principle, I've had a little teary before I've been on this interview, but it does, it keeps you going, it keeps the fire burning. Absolutely. There's there's so much need out there and it's, uh, again, I know I keep blowing your trumpet, but you're, you are the one who is, is targeting that need and, 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 and baseline improving people's lives. That must be so satisfying for you. It is satisfying. I don't, I'm, I'm, I've got a very head down, bum up, <laughs> uh, what's the word, I, approach to things. I think I'd, I don't really stop to smell the roses. There's too much to do. We have too much to do. And, and somebody needs to yeah. own the conversation of hygiene poverty as a whole um, issue. And I feel very privileged to have created a voice myself that I'm able to do that and, you know, to, to really have some really big conversations with the right people to start tackling this front on. And, and this year I think will be very yeah. pivotal in that. But um, it's a privilege to have that voice, but I need to, to use it. So, yeah, it keeps me going. <laughs> As I mentioned, I mean, you, you do so much of this work, but you have a big team of volunteers around you and, and, and other workers that you call the poo crew. <laughs> Tell us about some of those um, who help you. Yes, I definitely get far too much credit and I'm very glad that the limelight just got shoved for me. I'm, I actually hate it. So yeah, I have managed to draw the most phenomenal bunch of can-do people around me since the very beginning and, and people who are still with me on this journey, um, people who have taken on the mum role for me, um, people who are, you know, our family and we, we call it our family. We call at the Poo Crew because we are much more than a volunteer network. Uh, there's about 2,000 of us that um, work in various capacities around Australia and, and those relationships are so special. They're so special and, um, you know, just to watch complete strangers meet and be instantly bonded by, you know, a shared passion for a social issue is, is such a beautiful thing. And, you know, these people work for free and particularly during COVID, you know, they slaved their guts out. We moved all our operations off site and kept moving, kept going. And, you know, they turned up with their masks on and loaded their cars up and then turned their living rooms into, into warehouses and then brought things back. And, you know, the, the passion in my team is just uh, brings me to tears I could never thank them enough yeah I can imagine um and when you um especially in the beginning when you started up Pinchapoo you I'm sure you would have had to make contact with other not-for-profits was there a process in getting them to trust you and build up those relationships so you can work together that's a really great question. Um, yes, that's a struggle, I'll be honest with you. The first six years of the 12-year mm. now journey were a real struggle, a real slave, a real 
you just spent your day proving your point that you were credible, that you that you were doing impactful work, and and that we were someone that should be supported and worked with, and and then and then that flip happened where all of a sudden we didn't have to make phone calls and we didn't have to reach out to people and people were coming to us, and um, that was a really powerful moment where you know that flipped and all of a sudden people knew that we were you know for real and we did have the street cred and we we had the runs under our belt and. And that's a beautiful thing, but yeah, it took it, it took a lot of time. And I think now, when other new not for profits come to me, you know, I, I say to them, "Hang in there. It will happen. You will see that flip." And yes, we're happy to work with you. And if you're doing meaningful work and you have avenues of helping people, then that's what it's all about. We can't do food as well as you know, um, food bank and Oz Harvest and Second Bite, but we right. we do hygiene well. So what? we need to do in the industry is do a better job of working together and filling each other's gaps and holes and and making much more powerful outcomes for people in need. So we're very big on charities, working with charities. But yeah, that first six years was a hard sale for sure. <laughs> you learnt a lot. Well, this is Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives and in these challenging times Tobin Brothers offer a range of very practical solutions to help you plan a funeral and pay tribute to your loved one. We'll wrap things up with Kate Austin from Pinchapoo in just a moment. You're listening to Great Australian Lives with, with Laura, Laura Turner for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Tobin Brothers now offer fully live-streamed services so that anyone who could not attend the funeral of a loved one can still view the service and participate. For more information, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. And, of course, our guest tonight is the CEO and founder of Pinchapoo, and that is Kate Austin. Um, Now, Kate, tell us um, about – we talked earlier um, about – you starting up Pinchapoo, obviously, and the wrestle to get others, other charities to trust you um, and, and to build your name and that sort of thing. But a wider question um, about this issue, and, and I think the answer could go on for, for months or even years, but that is you would have incredible insight into the shortages um, and the problems and the vulnerabilities of our systems, our governments, what what would you suggest? You had the Premier or the Prime Minister's ear. What do we need in this field? Yeah, you're right. That could go on for months if I had the, the Premier or the Prime Minister's <laughs> ear. Then hang up. Um, look, at the end of the day, it, it's, a, it's a, a social issue that isn't being spoken about and I've pondered for a very long time why that is. Is it because we're ashamed as a first world country that we do have a hygiene poverty problem? Um, it's not a popular topic. And um, that's that's the harsh reality of it. It's not a popular topic and we can bang on as much as we want. Um, but it's not something that the media has has widely, you know, brought into and, and so period poverty is a very hot topic and but for us that's such a like a small mm. piece of the pie and, and we need holistic charities to work with with governments and systems and and agencies and institutions to deliver holistic outcomes for people you need to stop tackling issues that are just small parts of the pine and own the whole issue and and work together with the people who have got those channels to to really make some impact and so you know that's why we're kicking and screaming quite literally in the in this space to to have that heard Mm. i think too the stigma involved um as you mentioned before the kid at school who smells 
or the homeless person on the street who smells. I mean, the judgment of those people is a reflection of a lack of understanding and, uh, I guess, empathy. So we really need to do better in that space, don't we? We do. We we call it bubble bursting. We just need to talk about it. We need to we need to hear that it's an issue, and you know people are shocked to hear that it's not just homeless people or, or poor children, um, or you know how you, the society wants to put it. It is actually executives. It is a lot of people who hygiene is the first thing to go. So if you have you know fifty hundred dollars left to feed your family for a week, you want to fill your trolley with food. That's survival. That's necessity, and we understand that. Mm. So the very first thing that goes is your personal hygiene products but they're the inhibitors to you know the way we interact and connect with the world and and contribute to the world so um you know whenever we hear food poverty statistics we always say well that is always directly relative to hygiene poverty statistics it's just not it's not a conversation so you're right there's a huge lack of understanding there's a huge lack of of limelight on the issue and and popularity unfortunately and and that goes with you know when people talk to us about men's supplying men's products it's like oh men need things too you know it's like equal access is one of our greatest advocacy points that yeah. you know if, if somebody needs to shave in order to give their best presentation at work or whatever it might be that's their right too so um you know fighting both ways mm. holistically is, is is really important and kate for everyone listening how do we support pinchapoo well, if you've got millions of dollars, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> um, the, the best thing to do, other than pinching your shampoo, um, is is to to if you if you have the ability to do it, if you're privileged enough to do it, when something is half price at Coles or Woolies or whatever it is, add it into your trolley or have it delivered to us directly. We have a collection coordination uh, a collection coordinator network that is national, and so there is somebody close to you that you can drop things to or have them delivered directly to us. We always need roll-on deodorants. Roll-ons are much safer than aerosols for people with um, in high-risk situations. Um, so roll-on deodorants are a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, reach out to us, join the journey, get on the socials and, and listen to what we need and what we're banging on about and, and help be part of, you know, bringing light to the conversation. Good on you, Kate. It has been an absolute pleasure and so educational to hear from you tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for giving me a platform to stand on to, to talk about this important stuff. It's hopefully not just important to my little burning tummy, but yeah, it strikes a nerve with some other people too. Awesome. Well, of course, if you want to get more information about Pinchapoo, you can go to pinchapoo.org.au and of course, Pinchapoo on Facebook and Pinchapoo on Instagram. And if you've enjoyed our chat with Kate Austin, you'd like to share it with a friend subscribe to the Great Australian Lives podcast. I'm Laura Turner and this is Great Australian Lives for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives and of course join me the same time next week when we celebrate another Great Australian Life. You're listening to Great Australian Lives with With Laura Turner Turner for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. 